Um, before I start, I want to say that I feel like apprehension's in the room, and um, I want you guys to know that you can be free. Um, I think we get so used to sitting closed-lipped and not shedding a tear and not showing anyone that we're hurting and not showing anyone that we need a special touch. And I want you guys to know how desperately God wants you. That this is not about even us wanting him. But he wants us so desperately. And what he has given me is he's just sad. And he's sad that he feels like you don't want him back. The connection that me and God have. I asked him for his heart. I want to know what hurts his heart. I want to know what makes him sad. And I didn't know what I was praying when I asked for that. But uh, it has been an experience because uh, he loves us more than we can imagine. And that he's not mad. And I think we're so consumed with an angry God and with a God that wants to get us. And that his first aim is to send us to hell if we do something wrong. And he didn't go through all he went through to send us to hell. He went through all he went through to take us to heaven. And we have lost sight of that thing. My prayer is that I deliver God's heart to you. God wants you back. And I know that a lot of times we feel like we haven't really won anywhere. Most in this room are good church going folks. Y'all show up every week. Y'all come to the prayer meetings. You do the same thing. Y'all not really going out trying to sin. Y'all wouldn't be here if y'all was trying to live some raggedy life. Something in your heart wants God. But he wants more. And the question becomes, will you give him what he really wants? And what he really wants is just your heart. The thing we guard the most. He wants you to realize why you left him. And he's not mad, but again, very sad. He needs you to strip off your self-righteousness and go before him naked and vulnerable. As I present this, I need you to see yourself sitting before your God. See his eyes of love looking at you. Don't run, don't hide. Stand there before him. Good and on his lap. Lay your head on his chest. Tonight, we're gonna stand before God and we're gonna ask him to restore the joy of our salvation. Not just being saved, but to get the joy back. To get the gleam in your eye about him again. To feel like he is the most important thing in your life. Not just the words, but something deep in your belly gets stirred when you think about him. That you don't have to go through the same X, Y, Z motions, but you know how to get instant contact with him. There have been many things that have gotten in between us and God. We need to kill and burn everything that is in the way. So often we look at our lives, we say I'm living saved. We gloat about the things we haven't done. We pat ourselves on the back and say I've had the victory for 20 years. I ain't done this for 10 or 15. And we jump around and we shout and we're so excited about how saved we are. But are we really where we're supposed to be? If you don't do those things that are listed and you get to check them off, is that what makes you happy? Is that what makes you feel like, ooh, I'm connected to God? 
from my own personal journey, and I've had one, I know that not until I was able to lay all my junk at my Savior's feet was I able to get close to him. I've been in church all my life. Saved at six. Praise God. Not doing nothing. Not much you could say I did. I wasn't living crazy. Too scared to do that. Wasn't in love with God, but just too scared to do that because, you know, you had the fear of hell. But I got to the point where I said there has to be more for me. This is just my journey that I'm going on. And thank you all for coming along with me. Um, it's been something else, and it's been unorthodox. It's been nothing that I ever thought God would take me through. But I know that I see God. I know that God can be there in an instant. I know that I'm so connected to him. It's like ridiculous for me because I sit there sometimes and say, you must be kidding. But this is what he wants for everybody. Now, when I talk about that, in no way am I giving judgment on anyone else because everybody's journey is different. But I know that at the end result of all our journey, we need to find God. So the joy, that's our strength. So we can have salvation without the joy, and then we have no strength, and we wonder why we're so feeble. Remember, no one is examining you but yourself and God. This is between you two. Y'all see all these other people, but really, if you need to pull your chair over because you want nobody touching you, go ahead and move your chair. Sometimes you're a little too close. We need a little space. If you need some space, there's plenty of aisle right there. Okay, there's a little corner over there. Y'all can come up here if you want. Do whatever you have to do to get comfortable. If you feel like your shoes hurt, take your shoes off. But whatever's restricting you from getting where you need to get with God, go on and do that. Hmm. If I happen to hit your stuff, don't hide. Just boldly say, Lord, forgive me, that's me. Take it to him. Now, when I speak of sin, I speak of anything, because this is the real definition, that misses the mark of God. Anything that makes me up, I didn't see you. So I'm going to say some stuff. That's the stuff we say, oh, I ain't done that stuff because I'm the saved one. But I may say some other stuff that nobody ever told us was really a sin. But it's a sin for you because it made you miss God. So whatever made you miss him, you got to cast that at his feet and say, Lord, forgive me. Because it's standing in between you and him. When our, when our view of sin is only the things listed in the book, we miss a large portion of the things we need to ask repentance of. If we see it as anything, and that's what I want you guys to start seeing, sin is anything that makes you miss God, then you are constantly repenting because you realize, wow, I didn't see you today. And I should have saw you in that. I didn't see you. So where did I miss you at? Repentance is a gift from God. It must be done from the intellect. We must understand why we do what we do. It is not good enough just to say, Lord, forgive me for this. You need to go deeper and say, God, show me why I'm doing this. Why am I attracted to that thing? Because we all got a thing. We all got something that we've been tripping up over for 15 years. The same thing in the same family. Why is that thing so appeasing to me? Why do I think that thing is greater than you? We must also repent from the emotions. Therefore, I must feel the pain and the separation that the sin causes. As long as I think that it's nothing that hurts God, I kind of keep going. And lastly, your repentance must be voluntarily. It can't be forced. It can't be because you're like, oh, I'm going to go to hell. I better ask God to forgive me for that one. Because then the heart don't meet up with the repentance. Not until you understand God's love. Not until his love is your foundation 
It cannot be fear as the foundation. Your foundation is rocky. It is built on sand. The foundation must be that God loves me. You must get to the place where you realize how crazy his love is for you. That is like a stupid kind of love, if I can say that about the Jesus, but y'all know I don't mean no offense. <laughs> you have to begin to understand how offensive and heartbreaking your sin is. How it breaks his heart. We think it makes him go, Arr. all right, I'm about to beat your tail. That's what we used to with our doggone parents. See, that's what the problem is. We keep seeing them as the mom and the daddy. Hmm. He's not that one. We must realize that our nature will always be opposed to God. Just because we got saved, the nature didn't change. And we keep praying the nature away. Lord, take this from me. It's who you are. We are sinners. Saved by grace. He didn't change us into non-sinners because he saved us. It is the grace that keeps us. It is his power that makes us whole. It is nothing that we do. And we've gotten so caught up on our acts as being what saves us. No, it is him and him alone. I'm glad you're happy that you don't cuss no more. I'm glad you're excited that you ain't going and sexing and doing all that, but that's not getting you to heaven. He's getting you to heaven. Stop patting yourself on the back so much and taking the credit for you getting to heaven. It's him. You know how many people that don't do all that stuff that may not still make it? We not all that great, y'all. I know we feel good about ourselves because we can make the list. And we can check it twice. And we can say, I don't do that. Oh, look at you people over there. This means I'm saved. You saved because God had enough kindness to throw his grace and mercy all over your life. And until we accept that and we walk in that and not in our own doggone self-righteousness, will we begin to get some joy about the salvation that he gave us? Amen. Hmm. I hate the fact that the devil has made repentance be something we should be ashamed of. Something we go and hide in the corner. I'm too scared to run up to the altar and say, good Lord, forgive me, because I'm so scared what other people are gonna think. Oh, you sinned this week. Man, you done sinned every day. Remember, if you missed him, if you stepped out of the path that he created for you just for a second, you sinned. He's covering it. See, that's the crazy part. That's what makes you a little happy, because he's covering it. And no, I ain't saying going to cut the fool. We know that. We know that. I'm saying that no matter how good you think you are, if it wasn't for his grace and his love and his mercy, you still wouldn't make it to heaven. That's all I'm saying. Only God can soften your heart. Only God can even make you feel sorry. So you think, oh, I didn't, oh, Lord, forgive me. If you got that in your heart, it's because he gave it to you. It ain't you. You ain't really all that sorry. Because you kind of liked it. I mean, come on, y'all. We ain't all that mad when we go sinning. We just mad at the fact that, oops, this may make me go to hell. Let's be honest. That's just me. I ain't talking about y'all. I'm just talking about me. Hmm. But repentance cannot be generic. We cannot go before God and say, well, Lord, forgive me. You know I've probably done done something wrong today. So please cover me. That don't work. We must list it. We must call it out before the Father because he already knows. So stop that, Lord, if I offended you. Lord, if I tripped up today, if I had a thought. Go on and say what the thought was. 
going to say the words you spoke and the deeds you did. And just throw it at his feet. He said we could go boldly to the throne of grace. Why are we not going boldly? Why are we tuck telling and running? He said, come, just come to me. I'm standing here. I'm asking you simply just to tell me what you did so I can cover it. We not being covered because we won't tell what we did. Because I'm so doggone self-righteous and saved. We have to willingly tell God of the things that we have done. And with all sincerity, ask him to reveal the stuff that is deep and buried in us. See, that's the stuff we don't want to do. I feel good with going to say, Lord, forgive me. I feel a tear. I maybe get a couple of tongues flowing. I may get a little skippity hop hop. Then I'm like, whew, thank God. Got that one covered. And he like, that was all you. You wasn't even crying because of me. You was thinking about something that happened and you conjured up a tear. <laughs> Lord. So when you go, and that's why I said it's from the intellect, you must know why. Ask God to dig deep in you. See, we don't want the deep stuff because it's painful. And what we find is that we really are uglier than what we thought we were. But once he shows you the ugliness, he shows you a way to clean it up, and then you get pretty for real. Now we just a bunch of made up people. But we take up all the makeup, you like, oh. So I ask him to reveal the wise and then lay those at his feet. Because you know when in the Psalms, and I'm trying not to divert so I can shut up. So I can move quicker. I'm trying not to be long tonight. But in the Psalms where David, he asked God to forgive his iniquities his transgressions, and his sins. You need to ask for all of them. See, we like to do the sins because that's just the behavioral stuff. We can throw that out quickly. See, the iniquities goes into why you did what you did. You got to burn that up. See, that's the fat. That's the fat of the meat. He wants that burn up. You know when you burn it up, you can't see it no more. So you got to lay that junk on the fire so God can cremate it. See, we just be putting it in a shredder and then we'd be putting it back together. You know? We know how to put it back. You know, we better than Enron. We'd be taping up our stuff and we'd be like, ooh, I ain't giving you that one. I thought about giving it to you. I wanted to lay it at your feet, but that was too good. So we got to figure out why does that pleasure why is it better than what God can give you? And just go on and confess, Lord, I don't think you can treat me that good. Go on and tell him, it's okay. I just want y'all to know it's okay to say whatever you need to say that is truth to you, Jesus. Amen. Whatever. If it sounds bad and it's uncomfortable in the beginning, because you say, the Lord, I shouldn't talk to you like that. But he wants to hear it. Just honesty. So our love from God, you got to do the repentance, but then the love. Our love for God often is from the head. It's just the intellect. We didn't read this Bible. We didn't figure that. We figured out to Jesus. We know how he feels, what he thinks. We, we know the Jesus, right? It's all here, but it's not here. So I can quote the scriptures. I can tell you what he's asking for. I can tell you the plan of salvation. I can tell you why it's one God. I can tell you why you should be baptized in Jesus' name. I can tell you why you shouldn't sin. I can tell you all that stuff. I can tell you that God loves me. I can tell you that he's a way maker. I can tell you that if you're going through something, he's going to be there for you. Go on and testify. We're very good at it, but it's not in our heart. And it's the heart that God is after. Yeah. Our heart is our vulnerabilities. And many of us have not given our vulnerabilities to God. 
See, it's easy to give him our behavior. I can clean up. But my heart, I'm keeping for myself. Because the truth is, I don't really trust you with it. I don't know how well you're going to really hold it in your hand. This faith thing is too much for me. I got to believe it before I see it. Well, Lord, you're asking too much. See, that's what you need to tell them. I don't see you right now. Can you just be kind to move a little faith to the side and show me an example? <laughs> and then once I get the example, maybe I can jump onto the faith. <sighs> I must fall in love with God. I must try to love him like he loves me. With no agenda, only to love him. Not to get from them. You know how we clean up ourselves because we know we really in need of something. So you're like, let me make sure I'm not sinning this week. Because <laughs> you know you got that job promotion coming up and you need to really pray. <laughs> oh, Lord, okay. We cannot be with him strictly for fear of punishment. Hell cannot be the only thing that makes you stay saved. Otherwise, your salvation is really all in vain. It's fake. If the only reason why you come to church and the only reason why you're not dipping and doing your thing is because of hell, you miss Jesus. And he don't want you like that. He wants you. And he wants you to want him just because you love him, because you think he's so grand. We will only find out who God is from his word and when we get in his presence. It is imperative that you stay in his presence. It is imperative that you know how to get in his presence. It is imperative that that is the only thing that is acceptable when you go into God's face. No false stuff, no conjured up anointing. No making ourselves feel good, running off of emotions, but strictly his presence. Strictly God in you together. In his presence, he reveals himself as the personal God we need. He speaks to our hearts the things that only we need to hear. He heals wounds and pains so deep that we can't even utter. He speaks mysteries to our soul and to our spirit. In his presence, he destroys the plan of Satan. In his presence is where your victory lies. As we go through these scriptures, let God's heart speak to your heart. Let the oneness of your spirit and his spirit grab hold of each other until a breakthrough comes. We will start with Psalms 51, and we've all read that. Hmm. But I want you to take another look. And this time, I want you to look at it with you in God's face. So see God standing in front of you. And I want you to place in your mind now. Look, nobody knows what's in your mind. Just put it in your own mind. The sins that you need to lay at his feet. And I'm going to name a few just to get us started on the list we need to do. Pride. The fact that I'm all right and I don't really need nobody else. Anger. That I am pissed off. Sorry, y'all aren't supposed to talk like that. I'm in church. Huh? Lies. Lies that you were told and lies that you believed. That has stopped you from getting close to God. Fornication. Why you keep having sex when you know you shouldn't? Figure out why. Before you're trying to run and keep your legs closed, figure out why you're driving there. What do you need from that? What is it giving you that you think God can't give you? Jealousy. Envy. Church traditions that have kept you from God. You didn't put all these rituals and things in between you and the Savior. Hurts, 
from your past that you have held against God. Stuff that you're blaming him for. That you need to say, God, I am mad at you for letting this happen in my life. You need to show me why. And then let him talk to you. Don't run. Don't be scared. Go on and give it to him. Your bitterness, your unforgiveness, your doubt, your fear, your lack of trust, your double-mindedness. You want to trust to Jesus, but you're a little scared. I want to be saved, but Lord, this, is, this saved thing is hard. It, it just is, this is too much. Y'all didn't tell me I got to do all this stuff. I can't do all this stuff. But I want to. You know, it says about the double-mindedness, you can't expect God to bless you that way because your mind is too many different places. Stealing, if you got a problem taking stuff. You know, because some folks got a problem taking stuff. It's true. Drunkenness, if you're tipping the bottle too much. Addictions, be it food. Are you eating to make yourself happy because you're lonely and you need to find comfort in God? Shopping, are you shopping too much knowing you can't afford it? Putting yourself in debt all because you're trying to keep up because you feel like you need to fit in. That's not of God. If you're gambling, trying to make yourself get rich quick because you think money's going to be the thing that solves the problem. Pornography. If you got intimacy issues, take it to Jesus. Figure this thing out. Making men trees. You'd rather praise a man than praise God. God then got bigger. I mean, a man then got bigger than God. You quote men more than you can quote the Bible. Hypocrisy. Busyness. You just keep yourself busy. Always got to do something because you can't still sit still. Because you know if you sit still long enough, that real stuff is going to come out. So you just let me do stuff. And then what we do is we hide in church. I'm just working for the Lord. I'm there every night. I'm in every auxiliary. I'm just doing this for Jesus. No, you're doing that because you got a problem. And God's not impressed. And you ain't doing it to honor him, so stop lying. Hmm. Judgmentalism. All that judgmentalism, saying who's better, who's not. You more saved than the next. They gonna do this, you ain't doing this. All that ain't about Jesus. Adultery, stop sleeping with folks that you ain't supposed to be with. The bottom line, yeah. You ain't no more we can say about that. <laughs> A lack of self-control. You know that is mentioned so often in the Bible. And us church folks, you know, I'm going to call us church folks. Because uh, we're going to turn into Jesus, folks, in just a minute. Just a minute. Uh, we are so full of being out of control. We have no balance. We get one extreme or the other. God is about balance. If you got to be all the way over here, and then you swinging all the way over here, you can't never find the middle. You didn't miss Jesus somewhere because he wants you just to walk straight. I'm just listing stuff that we need to take to Jesus. Amen. Gossip. Stop talking about folks. And you're talking about folks because it makes you feel good. Because your life stinks so bad that you want everybody else to stink with you. Stop putting your mouth on folks. False worship. Watch what you're worshiping. We worship a lot of things that's not Jesus. Whatever you put your affections Whatever you in love with, that's what you worship. Yeah. Creating your own anointing. Mm. The Jesus does not like that. And we do it and we are good at it. And we have employed music. We have employed all our own mechanics. We have employed our emotions. And we know how to rev it up. We know how to get it going, and we know how to make ourselves feel good. And Jesus is nowhere in it. He's sitting back saying, y'all got to be kidding me. 
but go on and be happy. Now, I ain't going to do nothing. I'm just going to sit here and watch you. That's why he was standing outside of the church. You know, in Revelations, I can't tell y'all which one, but uh, find it. Uh, he is standing outside of the church because don't nobody want him in. Y'all want to do your own thing, and he's saying, let me in. And you're saying, I don't want you. I like this. I like the system. We come in, we say our prayer, we read our scripture, we do some talking, and we do some singing. Then the man get up and do some praying and preaching, and then the same order every week. And then we say, now we should wave our hand. So we feel like, because you feel bad if you don't wave the whole service. So you say, that was a good one, so let me wave my hand. And I'm not talking about all y'all. Um, and then we say, well, we should get a little more excited. So you should at least stand up and maybe a little, you know, because that makes us feel better. And then if everybody's standing up doing this, you feel kind of stupid if you're the only one saying, I don't feel nothing. But if I move enough, I'm going to feel it. And what do we do? We move enough and we feel it. And then we happy. And then we go home and we say God was there. Unfortunately, I've been in church way too long. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Our idols. You know our idols can be our own self? And we can idolize our own pains and our wounds where they just sit there and we just bow down to them. I'm hurt. And your hurt is legitimate. But now you've begun to worship your hurt. Your hurt is what you go and run to. That's where you put all your attention. It's no longer God can help me. It's this hurt that stands in front of me and God. It has now blocked my view of Jesus. Hurts that other people have done to us. And, you know, every good church person that's been in church long enough been deeply hurt by somebody in church. I mean, like a wound, you like, you got to be kidding that you church person would do this to me. And that person now stands in front of God. And now you can't touch God because that hurt from that old person is standing there in front of you. You got to lay that person at Jesus' feet. Hmm. So our unbelief, our lack of prayer, you know, not just saying, Lord, and, you know, get on your knees every night. You know, some folks still saying, Lord, lay me down to sleep. But um, it's not studying. You don't know no Bible for yourself. All you know is what the pastor then regurgitated to you. And you ain't sat down and figured this word out for yourself. You don't trust your spirit is grand enough to teach you when it said it would teach you all things. But you don't trust the spirit enough to sit down and ask God to show you what his word means to you. Because you're scared. Jesus wants to be your savior. He is the word. He wants you to get into him. It shouldn't have to be somebody giving it to you. Go get it for yourself. You got the spirit in you. It's powerful. You, you smart. You can do it. Can you read? You can read. You can do it. Hmm. Distorted thinking. Thinking stuff about yourself and life that's just not true. Hmm. Thinking stuff about, you know, homosexuality is a part of that. Your mind got distorted somehow. And the devil told you you were somebody that you're not. And then you throw in all the abuse that people occur. See, all that's between me and God. Because I'm mad at the man. Because he was supposed to protect me. He was supposed to keep this from me. Now, this thing came into me. It didn't mess up my mind. Now I'm confused. And all confusion is from the devil. So that means the devil is talking to you, telling who you who you are, and you're not that person. See, that's when we got to lay that at the altar. So Jesus can come in and flip us around. Hmm. Psalms 51. Now I'm going to read the Message Bible in the Living Bible, because I like how it reads. It says, generous in love, God, give grace. Huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record. Scrub away my guilt. 
Soak out my sins in your laundry. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. You're the one I violated. And you've seen it all. Seen the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you. Whatever you decide about me is fair. I've been out of step for you for a long time. In the wrong since I was born. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Enter me, then conceive a new true life. Sprinkle me with cleansing blood and I shall be clean again. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And after you have punished me, give me back my joy again. Don't keep looking at my sins, erase them from your sight. Create in me a new clean heart, O oh God, filled with clean thoughts and right desires. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't toss me aside, banish forever from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways so that the lost can find their way home. Commute my death sentence, God, my salvation, God, and I'll sing anthems to your life-given ways. Unbutton my lips, dear God, I'll let loose with praise. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I should say that one more time. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. It is a broken spirit you want. Remorse and penance. A broken and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not ignore. In the Message Bible 17 reads, I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. My heart shattered, heart shattered lives ready for love don't for a moment escape God's notice. The devil has placed stuff in your path to get us more consumed with ourselves than with God. Bishop Young described the desire to receive for oneself as Satan. Selfishness leads to sin. When you are preoccupied with self and self-receiving, you will always be out of step with God. Your weaknesses are more amplified when you are only thinking about yourself. Remember the devil fell from heaven because he was all about himself. He convinced Eve to be about herself and her concerns. When the devil can make us believe that justice will not be served, then we lose hope and faith in God. The devil will always make you doubt God's motives. That's the first thing he's coming after. The devil seeks to hurt you to make yourself centered. God is all about us, but we have become all about ourselves. The devil is not so much personally invested in you. He wants to hurt God and his wife and children are the best way to crush God. He knows how much God loves us and is invested in us. That's why he hurts you. He gave us his salvation. Salvation is purely a gift. It is no work we have done or can do. Not doing behavioral sins doesn't grant us entrance into heaven. It is all a gift. When we emphasize our behaviors, what we do or don't do, we put the praise on ourselves and not God. And this is why he states, it is not our works, but the grace of God so no one can boast. But we sit there boasting every week of our accomplishments. The mind-blowing thing is that this is a gift. When you see it as a gift, you are more thankful. 
you are more in awe of God's love and desire to be with us. It all goes back to Eden. He created a man to have relationship. Adam and Eve messed it up, so he created a plan to get us back. He is just getting us back to our rightful place. He knew we couldn't accomplish it, so he introduced grace and mercy in the gift of the Spirit. Then he says to just trust, I'm saving you. I'm going to present you before the Father faultless. Go back and read that scripture that we read so y'all can read it right. He's doing the presentation. We're not presenting ourselves. He's going to present us faultless. We trying to get every spot and wrinkle off. Y'all going to have some spot and wrinkles. But the Lord is going to present you as if you don't have spot and wrinkles. Now, what kind of God is that? Fall in love with me, and I will do the rest. That's all he's asking. I just want your heart. He says, you search the scriptures because you think they will give you eternal life, but they testify of me. But this is the part we never quote. But you won't come to me to get the life you say you want. See, we quote the first part. And we justify ourselves a search in the scripture. You better search them scriptures. You better find your life. He says, but it's me. Y'all want me. You happy with feeling like you're smart. You're happy saying you can quote a whole book. And you can tell everybody where it's found. But you don't want me. And you don't even want the life you claim you're looking for. You see how deceived we are? How we've deceived ourselves? Self-deception is a booger. Mm. We are going to run through some more scriptures, and then I'm going to be finished. I'm just going to give y'all scriptures. <sighs> so we can get reacquainted with the joy of salvation and how amazing it truly is. Then we must ask ourselves, is there anything worth our joy? I want to emphasize how much God loves us and how much he hears us and wants us to be in unity with him. My aim is not so much concentrated on our failings, but to see how much he truly loves us and wants us. And the only reason why we should feel bad about sin is because it takes us out of fellowship. But our repentance puts us right back in it. So Solomon prayed, 2 Chronicles 6 and 36, 39, I'm going to jump to. And this is where we need to all read. And this is Solomon praying after he built the temple. And he is asking God to be there for his people. And he says um, a part of it, you know, if, if famine comes, if they sin, because they're going to sin, if all of this different stuff happens, I need you to listen to them. Don't run out on them because we're going to mess up. But remember, we, we constructed this thing, so I need you to be here. If we jump to 39, he says, listen from your home in heaven to the prayers desperate and devout. Do what is best for them. Forgive your people who have sinned against you. And now, dear God, be alert and attentive to prayer, all prayer offered in this place. Second Chronicles, we're going to move to verse 41. And now, O Lord God, arise and enter this resting place of yours where the ark of your strength has been placed. Let your priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation and let your people rejoice in your kind deeds. O Lord God, do not ignore me. Do not turn your face away from me, your anointed one. Oh, remember your love for David and your kindness to him. Now, this is God's response, and we've all read this, and we like to quote it. It says, one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and told him, and I didn't tell y'all where I was, Second Chronicles 7 and 12. He said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place where I want you to sacrifice to me. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, 
or if I command the locust swarms to eat up all of your crops, and if I send the epidemic among you, then if my people will just humble themselves and pray and search for me. It's the searching for me that we often lose and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear them from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. I will listen wide awake to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and sanctified it to be my home forever. You are God's chosen. He has sanctified you to be his home forever. My eyes and my heart shall always be here. He has placed his eyes and his heart in you. Now you figure out why you can't see and hear things right. It's all because you're not asking the right things. We are going to keep running through the scriptures. Psalms 27, 7 through 9. I just want you to remind yourself about who God truly is. It says, listen, God, I'm calling at the top of my lungs. Sometimes we don't scream loud enough, and that's why God ain't hearing us. We want to look cute and we don't want to look desperate, but sometimes you got to get desperate if you want something to happen. He says, be good to me, answer me. When my heart whispered, seek God, my whole being replied, I'm seeking him. Don't hide from me now. Ask God to show him your face. You've always been right there for me. Don't turn your back on me now. Don't throw me out. Don't abandon me. You've always kept the door open. Psalms 3 and 8. It says, for salvation comes from God. What joys he gives to all his people. Oh God, you have declared me perfect in your eyes. You have always cared for me in my distress. Now hear me as I call again. Have mercy on me. Hear my prayer. Zephaniah 3 and 17. For the Lord your God has arrived to live among you. He is a mighty savior. He will give you victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will love you and not accuse you. Is that a joyous choir I hear? No, it is the Lord himself taking pride over you in happy song. What? The Lord is singing about me in pride. And we know how messed up we are. And we think he's up there accusing us. And he's singing about you. That's mine. Mm. Ooh, Isaiah 43. But now God's message the God who made you in the first place, the one who got you started. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name, your mine. When you're in over your head, I will be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God your personal God, the holy of Israel, your savior. I paid a huge price for you. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world just to get you back. <laughs> Woo! I trade the creation just for you. He would give up all the creation for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he wants you back. Ugh. So don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'll round up all your scattered children, pull them in from east and west. I'll send orders north and south. Send them back. 
Return my sons from distant lands, my daughters from faraway places. I want them back. Every last one who bears my name, every man, woman, and child whom I created for my glory. Yes, personally formed and made each one. This is the God who loves you. This is the God who you need to serve with joy and gladness. My last scripture. This is Jesus praying to the Father before the cross. On our behalf, hear the words of love, the confidence that we are his. John 17. And please, everybody, go read that whole chapter. It is the most lovely thing you could ever. If you ever need a boost in your self-esteem, if you, whenever you start feeling like God is not with you, go read that and just read it and read it and read it. Verse 21. Now this is Jesus praying to the Father for us. My prayer for all of them is that they will be of one heart and mind, just as you and I are. Father, that just as you are in me, and I am in you, so they will be in us, and the world will believe you sent me. Can you grasp the fact that you are one with Jesus and the Father? Can you grasp that he sees no separation between himself and you? That when he looks at himself, he sees you. When he looks at his father, he sees you. We view God as being outside of ourselves. We're separate. We should view him as being one with ourselves. Can you see God right now? As big as you know God is, and you're just standing in him. As we see Jesus and God being one, we must see ourselves as being one with them. Andre said many times that the amazing thing about oneness is not that Jesus and God are one. The amazing thing that he made us one with them. It's hard to grasp. See, that's you got to wrap your mind around. You got to say, what? You see me like that? Hmm. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me, the glorious unity of being one as we are, I and them and you and me, all being perfected into one, so that the world will know you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. That God loves you as much as he loves his son. None of us doubt that he loved the son. But can you see why, why are you doubting that he loves you to that same extent? Father, I want them with me. These you've given me so that they can see my glory. You gave me the glory because you loved me before the world began. But flip this, verse 9 and 10. My plea is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. And all of them, since they are mine, belong to you. And you have given them back to me with everything else of yours. And so they are my glory. We are God's glory. You are Jesus's glory. I want them with me so that he can see. When we get to heaven, the glory that he's praising is us. That's crazy that he sees you as his glory. The almighty creator views you as his glory. And that you are so precious that God gave, we the you know, constellation prize for the cross, He said I had to give him something. 
You're about to endure this cross. You're about to go and take on all the burden and the pain and the guilt and the shame. But I got a treat for you in the end. You the treat. You the prize. Now, we would be a little disappointed. <laughs> but he happy. He is ecstatic that you are the prize. It's hard to grasp. I see it in your faces. But this is how much he loves us. So I end tonight with the words of Moses as he spoke to the Israelites when they were about to cross the sea. Got a little scared because they could still see the Egyptians coming. They were already delivered. But they kept looking at the situation from human eyes. When we put on God's vision, we see another path. Remember he said that he already gave us his heart and his eyes. If we keep our vision, we doubt our salvation and we lose the joy. So I want you to look at what has held you from your joy and your peace. And I want you to say what Moses told the people, don't be afraid, stand still and see what the Lord will do to save you today. You will never see these Egyptians again. The Lord is fighting for you, so be still. You never have to see what has kept you from pure salvation again. It's a choice. It's always a choice. I invite you to enter into the presence of God where all chains and burdens are lifted and where you can walk away free. And I know it's late, and I know this is a lot to ask of you, but, you know, if you want God to heal you, sometimes you got to give up what you usually do. And sometimes you got to be willing to stay a little longer. You know, Jacob's got changed because he said, I'm not going to let go until you bless my soul. Now, if I got to hold on, I'm going to hold on. Now, we're willing to stay. And y'all that need to go because you're tired, go on and go. I ain't even going to be mad at you. I may not even see you because hopefully I'll be in his presence too. But all we have to do is cry out to him. Lay our sins and pains and disappointments and burdens at the altar. Seek the face of God and watch him heal you. Don't run and don't hide. Just give it to him. If God seems far, search after him. Don't give up. Tell him, don't hide from me. Talk to him. Give him your heart. That's all he wants. If you want the more, the more is there. If you're satisfied where you are, bless your soul. Because I'm not. I haven't arrived. I'm still searching. I'm still trying to find him. I want more and more and more. And I think we should never be satisfied with where we are. We should always feel like there's more that I can find in you. And if it's me laying my heart down, if it's me giving up everything I want to hold on to, if it's me making a doggone fool of myself just to find you, then I am willing to do that. And I know it is unorthodox, and I know it seems like it does not take all that, and what I've been doing has been working. I just ask you to give it a chance to see if he has just a little more he wants to whisper in your ear. If he just has a little bit more he wants to tell you. In some wound he wants to close up for the last time. In some burden he wants to take off your shoulder for the last time. If you could just one more time, just trust him just a little and ask him to restore you. Ask him to show his face to you. I promise you, you will not be the same. I promise you that if you want it, you can walk out tonight without the burden. You can walk out tonight without the pain. 
and you can wake up and say, where did it go? Because I'm searching for it, but it's not there anymore. I am a living testimony that God can take it away to where it's never with you again. That you go looking for it because it's been your companion for so long. It has held you up at night. But if you want it, if you want it gone, go on and give it to him tonight. I plead with you to do that. On the outside, you think I'm alright. There's a smile on my face, everything's okay. But on the inside, there's a different story. I've stumbled down this road. Got so far to grow. I'm a broken man on my knees again, longing for a touch from you. I need your hand to restore me. I need your Take me to the place I used to be. Use all the pain and the hurt to do a greater work. Restore me. You see, I wore a mask Running away from my past Hiding all my scars Thinking I've gone way too far But he knew my pain And he loved me just the same he promised I'd be free So I fell on my knees And I cried, restore me I need your mercy Take me To the place I used to be Lord, use all the pain and the hurt to do a greater work. Oh, Lord, Lord, restore me, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. So I sing again the song you will for me. clean heart I want a brand new start oh, like the moment when I first believed restore me to the place where I used to be Lord take, take me Lord I need your mercy Use all the pain and use the heart to do a greater work. Restore me. Need you to restore me. God, restore me. 
I need you to restore me Hand of mercy upon me, restore me Creating me a clean heart, oh God And renew a right spirit within me, Lord Restore me Come on, let that be your prayer tonight Restore me Oh God, restore me Hold me in your arms Wrap me in your arms Wrap me in your arms Oh, restore me Renew my mind, God Renew my mind, God Oh, Lord, God Restore me This is our prayer Oh, God Restore me Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.